the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. They took the hard route. How many of you understand that's, that's kind of life? When we disobey God, we end up having the harder route. Uh, we bring it upon ourselves. We make a life more difficult for ourselves when we walk in disobedience. That's the way it works. Proverbs tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. And so when we walk in the ways of the Lord, it goes better for us. Isn't to say that it's perfect because we still live in a fallen world. There's still plenty of hardships. There's still plenty of difficulties. There is tribulation, small t, Jesus told us. Have you ever knowingly disobeyed God and regretted it? God makes many promises to people about the good plans that He has for them. We have this promise for us as well, that He is a good Father and has the best intentions. When we go off and try to do something in our own strength, we may find ourselves going down a harder path than what the Lord had intended. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be sharing about the importance of not being disobedient and trusting in God's plan. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go into possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So Joshua has taken over the leadership role after Moses has died. That's the end of the book of Deuteronomy. The people now are poised to actually enter into the promised land. For the last 400 years, they have been serving as slaves in Egypt. And by God's providential hand, God has delivered the Hebrew people out of slavery after 400 years. They have left Egypt because of their rebellion. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness, which is basically the Egyptian Sinai Peninsula. And then eventually they make it right here to the border of the promised land at the Jordan River. Now, just to kind of get our bearings straight, and I'm kind of visual learner like this, you have the Mediterranean Sea to the west that borders uh, the western coast of Israel. You have up to the north the Sea of Galilee, and then you have down to the south here the Dead Sea, and what joins the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is the Jordan River, running down through the Jordan River Valley. The Dead Sea is the lowest 
point on the, on the face of the earth. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest fresh body of water on the face of the earth. The Dead Sea, of course, by its name, it is 34% salinity. It is the most concentrated salt body of water on the planet. The Great Salt Lake of Utah is only 17%. It's about half our ocean, the Atlantic and the Pacific, is only about 3% salinity. So this is 10 times that, the Dead Sea. And when God delivered the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt and they wander in the Sinai Peninsula, they're actually going to end up coming into the Promised Land, going from the east to the west. They're actually going to come up uh, from under, below the Dead Sea, and and to the west, uh, rather to the east of the Dead Sea. So now they're on the eastern side of the Jordan River which is today on a map, the country of Jordan. And they are situated here just north of the Dead Sea in what we're going to learn a little bit later into chapter 2 is a town called Shittim, or in the New King James I'm reading from, it says the Acacia Grove. The Acacia Grove, Acacia trees are flowering, thorny trees that sometimes are even described as shrubs. They're not huge growing trees, but apparently there were plenty of these acacia trees that were growing in this vicinity. And so the whole, the town was named after them because shatim in Hebrew means acacia tree. And so this is where they are are located here. We're going to find out in a moment and they're going to go again. They're going to go from right to left. They're going to go from east to west into the promised land. So they didn't hug the coast of the Mediterranean. You know, if you, if you just simply walked from where they were in Egypt and hugged the coast of the Mediterranean on just, you know, a general pace, they could have made it to the promised land in 13 days. But it's taking them 40 years because they were led by a man and he never stopped to ask for directions. Because <laughs> guys don't do that. We don't ask for directions. But anyway, so, but they end up wandering for 40 years because of their disobedience. They didn't believe God. And so they, you know, they, they took the hard route. How many of you understand that's, that's kind of life. When we disobey God, we end up having the harder route. Uh, we bring it upon ourselves. We make a life more difficult for ourselves when we walk in disobedience. That's the way it works. Proverbs tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. And so when we walk in the ways of the Lord, it goes better for us. Isn't to say that it's perfect because we still live in a fallen world. There's still plenty of hardships. There's still plenty of difficulties. There is tribulation, small t. Jesus told us, you will face tribulation in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So there's enough tribulation, small t, that we encounter. We don't need to bring more into our lives by virtue of our disobedience. The Jewish people, the Hebrew people, they brought more hardship into their lives, more tribulation into their lives because they walked in disobedience to God. And so an entire generation will die in the wilderness. They will perish in the Sinai Peninsula. And only Joshua and Caleb from that generation and the children of the generation that sinned will end up going into the promised land. And Joshua, as their leader, is going to take them and cross the Jordan River. So that orients us now. And if you go back to your study here with me in verse 12, it says, And the Reubenites, the the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, 
and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. And then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Okay, toward the sunrise is the east. Sunrise in the east, that's in the west. They are located there on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Joshua gives this speech. Remember, there are 12 tribes of Israel. And he gives this speech to two and a half tribes, to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to half of the tribe of Manasseh. Now, it was already told to us in Deuteronomy that these two and a half tribes wanted to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River. When the land allotment was given to the Jewish people, two and a half tribes asked Moses, hey, when we get to the promised land, we'd prefer to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And Moses obliged. And so he gives that instruction to Joshua. When you get there, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh want to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River. The other nine and a half tribes want to go over to nine, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, I had to do quick math. Two and a half, nine and a half, that's 12. All right. They want to go to where the the intended promised land is, which is on the western side of the Jordan River. But Moses said to Joshua, go ahead and and, uh, let these two and a half tribes stay on the eastern side, which again would be in modern Jordan. In biblical times, it was called Moab or Moab. And one of the things that Joshua says to them here is, you're free to stay on this eastern side of the Jordan River. However, you have to help your brethren, the other nine and a half tribes, get settled on the western side, which is the original intent of the promised land. And so you're, you're going to have to, all your armed men, your men of valor, which would be any guy 21 years and older, will have to take up arms. You're going to have to go to the western side and help your brethren settle the land because there are a lot of pagan nations that have taken over the property in the last 400 years while the Jewish people have been slaves in Egypt. So going back means you got, you got to kick out the people who have overtaken your land because they're pagan worshipers. And God has been patient with them for 400 years. And I'm going to tell you, because some of you had the question like, well, how would they even know about the God of the Bible to be able to turn to God? I'll get to that when we get to chapter 2. But God's patience has reached its limit after 400 years. These pagan people living on the western side of the Jordan River, their time is done. They've had time to get right with God. So Joshua says to these two and a half tribes, you got to go in with your brothers. You got to fight to take the land. Once the land has been settled, then you can go back over to the other side to where we are here on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and there you can settle and there you can live. But you got to fight for your brothers first. Now, it tells us later on in chapter 4, verse 13, that there were 40,000 fighting men from these two and a half tribes. So 40,000 of these fighting men are going to have to do their work to help their brothers settle the land. Now, you know, I don't want to over-spiritualize every nuance of the Bible. Sometimes that's dangerous. You look at every little thing and you try to make a spiritual point out of it. But I think there is something to be said there uh, in that, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're in this together. And and when you see a brother or a sister in need, you, you go to their aid. You know, you help them. You fight for them. 
Sometimes they, they will be in a place and maybe you're here and you're kind of in this place where you're, you're having a faith struggle. You're, you're feeling kind of weak. You're feeling down. You're feeling, maybe you're, you're engaged in a lot of, you know, temptation and, and it's, it's difficult sometimes just kind of, you know, occupying the land until Jesus comes, which is what the Bible tells us to do. Live out your lives here. Be like salt and light in the earth until Jesus comes. And sometimes that can be hard and you can grow weary. And so, Fight for your brothers and sisters. Come alongside of them. You know, minister to them. Love on them. Encourage them. Because we're all in this together. And so that's what Joshua basically is saying here. You're going to have to help your your brothers take the land and get settled. And then you can come back over here to live. And so it it tells us, keep reading with me there in in verse uh, 16. So the answer Joshua saying, All that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. And just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. And we mentioned how that phrase there, be strong and of good courage, is recorded four times there in chapter one. And here Joshua is, you know, he's already a fighting man. We see him in scripture as being a valiant warrior. And as I mentioned last week, sometimes even the most valiant among us every once in a while need to be encouraged, like stay strong, be of good courage, because there's this very fine line between faith and fear. And it's really easy to go from faith to fear. And so we have to just really press into the Lord and Be men and women who are strong and of good courage and walk in faith and not in fear. So into chapter 2, it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So we're introduced to Jericho. So Jericho is directly opposite Shittim on the western side of the Jordan River. And so he's, they're eventually going to cross the Jordan River at this point and go into the promised land. And the distance between Shittim and Jericho is about 14 to 15 miles. Shittim is about 12 miles east of the Jordan River. Jericho is about another two miles, three miles west of it. And so that's the distance between these two points. And Joshua's going to send out two spies into Jericho. So they're going to, they're going to, you know, travel the 14, 15 miles from Shittim. The, the camp of, of a couple million uh, Jewish people are staying there and camped in Shittim while these two spies go into Jericho. Now remember, Joshua was one of the original 12 spies that Moses sent on the first recon mission that failed because 10 out of the 12 spies came back and had this fearful report, spread fear throughout the whole camp. That's what led to the rebellion and why that generation never went into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb, the two spies who came back with a good report. Only two out of 12. I suspect that Joshua learned from that, don't you think? He's like, I'm not sending 12 because that didn't work out last time. You know, it's hard to get 12 people to agree. How about just two people? Maybe two people could agree on this. And so they're unnamed. The Bible doesn't say who these two spies were, but they leave the camp and they go into Jericho. Some uh, uh, scholars and Jewish tradition says that one of the spies may very well have been Caleb. Only he and Joshua were, were part of that original generation who came into the promised land. And other... 
Bible commentaries, other theologians suspect that the second spy may have been a guy by the name of Salmon. And Salmon will have a pivotal role in this story here as we get to the story of Rahab. But truth be told, we don't know. We don't know who. That's all speculation, who those two spies might have been. But they come here on this mission to Jericho. They're going to spy out. This is the, this is a fortified city. In order to take the promised land, they're going to have to take Jericho. Now, Jericho historically is the oldest known city in the world. Now, the only slight exception is Damascus, Syria. Damascus is considered to be the oldest continually occupied city in the world. But in terms of its date, Jericho predates Damascus. It's the oldest city in the world known to man. It is mentioned more than 60 times throughout the Bible. The word Jericho in Hebrew is actually spelled with a Y. There's no J in the Hebrew alphabet. It is Yeriko. Yeriko translates fragrant because in this place was grown beautiful balsam and cypress trees, and it was known for its spices and the fragrance that was associated with it. Also, they say that roses were grown there. So it was a very fragrant city, Yeriko. That's what it means, fragrant. It was considered in the day impenetrable. My first visit to Jericho was in the year 2000. Now, in 1994, there was an agreement between Israel and the Palestinians for Jericho, because it's located within what is called today the West Bank, for it to be absorbed under Palestinian authority. So in 1994, that transition was made. In fact, a friend of mine, Amir Safadi, he was the assistant governor who was part of that transition in 1994 to bring Jericho under the Palestinian Authority. But my first visit there to Jericho was in 2000. It was, it was the first place that my wife rode a camel in her life. For me, it was the first place where I was offered, so in the marketplace there in Jericho, in the old part of the city, I was offered this thick black Arabic coffee that you could stand a spoon up in, right? It's like, it's like pudding. And then these, these Arab guys were like, you smoke hookah with us, smoke hookah, smoke hookah, you know, and, and, you know, the, and if you know anything about the hookah, it's, you know, it's got this, you know, it uses a water filtration thing. And then there's this tobacco stuff on the top and coals that, that heat it up. And then there's this tube, this rubber tube with a mouthpiece. Okay. Now I'm not a germaphobe. I'm just germ aware. And so they're like, smoke hookah with us, smoke hookah with us. And I'm, and, and I'm looking at that, at that thing, and I'm, I'm thinking of a couple things, you know, like Instagram, probably not a good picture, right? But I'm also thinking, uh, you know, how many other Arab men have been smoking the end of this hookah pipe here? And so they keep saying to me, salam, salam, which means peace, you know, in Arabic, salam, salam. I kept saying saliva, saliva, you know what I mean? So, like, no thank you, no thank you. But, um... But otherwise, I mean, you know, Jericho is a, a wonderful place, and the, the Arab people there, the Palestinian people, are wonderful people in Jericho, but, but this is that ancient city, the oldest place known to man on the planet. It is also called, a couple other places in the Bible, the city of palms. Now, don't think palm tree like, you know, Miami. Think palm tree date palms. And they're in the same family, but they just look a little different. They don't, these kind of palms don't have coconuts hanging from them. They have dates hanging from them. And so Jericho was also a place where these beautiful, and still to this day, these beautiful palm trees, date palm trees grow. And so this is that, that 
uh, Jericho. By the way, just another historical point, Herod the Great, you remember Herod the Great was the one who issued that order for all the baby boys to be killed in Bethlehem, trying to kill the baby Jesus at the time. Herod the Great dies in Jericho. And so it says to us um, here that Joshua, again, verse 1, son of Nun, sent out two men to spy from Acacia Grove, to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So uh, they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told uh, the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. And so the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. All right, pause there for just a moment. We are introduced to uh, Rahab here, but before we talk about her, note, if you will, that she is, New King James says, a harlot. She is a prostitute. And so then the question often becomes, why would these two Israelite guys go to the house of a prostitute? I mean, they're supposed to be spying out the land, you know, and is this a detour? Or, you know, what's going on here? Is something shady going on? Like, well, you know, forget the spying out Jericho. Let's just go to the town hooker. I mean, what is happening here? Now, before I answer that, a little bit about Rahab. In Hebrew, her name is actually with a V instead of a B. It's Rahab. Rahab, no offense, but her name in Hebrew means wide or broad. Rehav. Now, you know, don't think slang, right? Because, you know, what a beautiful broad. It's not like that. Rehav, broad or wide, is in the sense of pride, insolence, arrogance. That's what the word means. Wide in the sense of like, you know, puffed up, proud. That's what Rahav means. So I don't know why our parents would think, oh, what a, what a wonderful name. Let's just name our kid puffed up with pride. But that's basically what Rahav means, wide or broad in that sense of like proud and arrogant. And so we're introduced to her here. She's going to play a pivotal role, not just in Joshua chapter 2, but in human history. She's going to play a role in the life of Jesus. For those of you who already know, you're already ahead of me, but I'll come to it in a moment when we talk about her uh, inclusion here. She's going to be going to become a proselyte to Judaism, but she is, so that we understand clearly, she is a Canaanite, which is Gentile. She's not Jewish. She is a prostitute. So this is already, in terms of this modern time that we're reading about the Bible, she's considered a complete outcast. As a prostitute and a foreign, a Gentile, I mean, she's completely considered unredeemable in terms of like, you know, the Jewish mindset. But there's a wonderful thing that happens here with her. Here she is running this house of prostitution, and these spies end up here, and somehow the king of Jericho finds out about it. I mean, you know, news travels fast, I suppose, when people are coming and going uh, through the house of Rahab here, and so the king of Jericho finds out about it, and he sends word. Now, it, it's, it's going to tell us later in the, in the chapter that her home is connected to the actual wall of the city, which was pretty common in the day, where, where you would build the wall of a city, and then the wall of the city would serve as an exterior wall of homes. And so homes would be built along the perimeter of the wall. And so you, your house would sometimes share 
the wall of the city itself. And we find out that's the case here with Rahab. She even has a window out of the walled city because it's part of her home. And so it's likely that the spies went here, not for any shady business, but it's likely that they went here because back in the day, look, where, where do you go for town information? Where do, if you're on a recon mission and you want to find out what is happening, I mean, this is like a tavern in the day. But don't believe, you know, some liberal theologian, you could read some commentary saying, well, she wasn't really a prostitute. She was just a, you know, an inn. She ran an inn. She was an innkeeper. She's a prostitute. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the eventful book of Joshua. After years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelite people would finally get to enter into the Promised Land. What would it be like? What would their future hold? There were so many unknowns that they were entering into, yet God had promised He would bless them. Entering a new season of anything can be a bit daunting and even scary. But there's a reason that God continually reminded Joshua in this book to be strong and courageous. God would be with them, and He's with you, too, as you face new challenges and situations. Do you like the message you heard today? Want to listen to more just like it? At cornerstoneconnection.cc, you can listen to additional teachings from this series in Joshua. If you'd like to get in touch with us and ask for prayer about things you're wrestling through or even struggling to be strong and courageous in, feel free to email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We'd love to pray for you. With that, our time is about up for today, but we look forward to sharing more from the book of Joshua. So come back for more with Pastor Gary here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, you're not alone. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Hope is an open ocean, jump in and you'll find the corner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.